Okay, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Florida. We're really glad uh, you've, it's wild. It's humid, hot, gray. Feels like it should be 50, but it's like hotter than that. Um, but we're, we're really glad that you've decided to, to join us this morning. Uh, we're in the middle of a series called Joy in the Journey, and it's a snapshot working through the book of 1 Peter in the New Testament that really lays out the, the Christian life, uh, the adventure of, of following Jesus. If you grew up in the church, or maybe you didn't, you might have a picture of like Christianity or a picture of church, and maybe it's kind of lumped into a whole big category of religion, but the journey that you picture is maybe something that could be uh, very restrictive, very boring, very legalistic, um, filled with guilt, filled with anxiety, all sorts of experiences that we have. Uh, but the, the journey that God calls us to, according to Scripture, is, is really the opposite. It's really laid out as this life-giving adventure uh, where nothing compares to all of the things that God uh, takes you on and the journeys and the signposts and sometimes even the detours, but the things that help us uh, to live the life that he's called us to, to live. And so if you've missed any of this series, what I want to do is just uh, spend the brief moment just catching each other up in case you have, uh, so we're all on the same page, and then we'll continue uh, digging into the book of First Peter. And so here's a, a series review. This is where we started in week one. Who we are determines what we do. Uh, it's very important, and this is laid out in the book of First Peter and throughout the scriptures, is like your identity, how you see yourself, how you see God making you, really does impact your decisions. Your identity impacts your life. So much of our culture is focused on identity, people trying to discover it, maybe even claim it themselves, but our identity is God-given. And because of that, it determines the kind of life that we can live. And so knowing that identity from God is very important. And so we talked about being known and chosen by God, being forgiven by Christ, and then having help by the Holy Spirit. That is the God, the triune God, God the Father, Christ the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They work on our behalf for us to experience the joy that God gives. It's not distant or impersonal. God knows you and he knows me, and he invites us to this life to walk with him. Uh, the week after, we talked about our mission as a church. Uh, we have a mission and it includes an invitation. Um, Samantha just talked about that, even related to an event. Who can I invite where they could hear a little bit more about the Christian life and faith and that journey that God calls everyone to? And we talked about our mission is inviting people to experience refreshing life in Christ. This is where that joy is really laid out. And so every week of this series, we've been focusing on a different aspect of this refreshment. A couple weeks ago, we talked about the higher calling we have in Christ and we can help, as you're a part of this church, specifically here at Ridgeview, you can be a part of help building a life-changing, distinctive community. And we talked about heart attitudes, our values, where we treat each other in a certain way. And we'll build on that a little bit more today, but how, again, how we see ourselves, the role that we play in the church, really does determine the way that we treat each other. Um, we're, we're actually not just supposed to live according to our own standards. God calls us forward to his standard. And the scriptures define that as living a holy life. And we can only do that through his strength. And then last week, we talked about we live our lives as those entrusted to God and as citizens of heaven. So back to identity. Our primary identity is not uh, your last name. Your primary identity is not that you were born where you were born or the work that you have. But your primary identity is that you are actually a citizen of heaven if you're a Christ follower. 
And if you're not yet a Christ follower, God is calling you towards this citizenship. He knows you and he wants you to know him. And you do that by deciding to live life his way. And so all of the the series uh, builds on this. And if uh, you've missed any of this, you can always catch up. I always try to let people know that we, we do have a YouTube channel that streams our second service every week. You just look up Ridgeview Church Fontana. We have a podcast as well that's the audio version of the sermon. And then on social media, you can always connect with us and find ways to kind of catch up on content. So I encourage you to do that. I realize some weeks you're, you're busy, you're not able to be here, but uh, those are ways that you can, you can catch up. So as we kind of lean forward uh, to this adventure and to this joy, I just wanted to express another invitation that we have to consider following Christ, especially if you've not yet decided to follow him. Um, It would be wrong of me to assume that everyone in this room has decided to join God in the adventure that he calls you to. There's many obstacles to faith at times, some of which is our upbringing, some of which is our bad choices, some of which are things that have happened to us. We can live under the cloud of shame. We can live just under confusion of what it means to know God. Uh, We can be so caught up in our concerns and everything that that we can get lost and we lose our way. But the invitation is new every morning where you can receive the mercy of God. And no matter what you've done, and no matter the things that you look back and you regret, you can be wiped clean today and your sins can be forgiven because of what Christ has done. He died on the cross on our behalf to forgive us of our sin take the debt that we're owed. The scriptures say that the the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. And that gift is found in the person of Jesus. And that invitation that we have is an invitation that God gives us to know him, to surrender to him. And so if you never decided to follow Christ, um, I want you to consider that today. That's really the most important decision that you can make. Not just like today or this week, but it's the most important decision you will make in your life to decide. I don't have to keep serving and living for myself, trying to figure out my meaning and my identity. I have a God who made me. He knows me, and he calls me forward. And so if you've never decided to become a Christian, I just want to lead you in a a prayer that you can pray, which is this prayer of of surrender. And and here it is. It says, Heavenly Father, I know that I've sinned against you. We, We all have sinned. I realize that the penalty for sin is death. That is the penalty. Like, we can't change it. It's That's the penalty. Thank you for sending your son Jesus to die, shedding his own blood on the cross uh, in my place so that I could receive his righteousness by faith. And the righteousness is that he was perfect. So he's completely right. He was perfect. And so his righteousness replaces our unrighteousness. That's the Christian faith. Like, I don't have to prove my worth because Christ is my worth. It replaces my own unrighteousness. I now confess my sins to you and ask for your forgiveness. I believe that Jesus died and rose again so that I can be forgiven and live forever with him. Here and now, I surrender my life, my plans, my goals to the lordship of Jesus Christ. So once you take the righteousness of Christ and you receive the forgiveness of your sins, then you really enter this posture of surrender. Like, God, you have my life. I want to live it your way. I want to know your word. I want to live by that truth. I want your word and that truth to guide my choices, to be the things that I say yes to and the things that I say no to according to what your word says. By God's strength, I will seek to share about what God has done in my life with each opportunity God brings my way. In Jesus' name, I pray, amen. If you never made this like your prayer of surrender and this is you, 
then this is the type of thing that, that you pray. It could be in your own words, but it's this posture of like, I have sin, I have shame, I cannot bear it anymore, and I confess it. And God hears you, and he hears your confession, and he forgives you. And so if you've never received Christ as the Lord of your life, then let us know on your connection card. Uh, we want to follow up with you. We want to help you learn what it means to be a Christian. Come to the next step table. We'll even just walk you through how to nail that down uh, today. And so out of everything you can decide, that is the most important. And then for those of you who've decided to follow Christ, I encourage you to, to be baptized. And uh, the baptism overview is coming up next Sunday. And this is for those who have made this prayer and made that decision. Baptism always follows the decision to follow Christ. You're never baptized before you believe. You always believe, and then you're baptized. And so if you've never made that decision uh, to be baptized, and you've decided to become a Christian, then come to the baptism overview. We're going to be celebrating our baptism on October 8th. And as a church, we, we celebrate the people who go public with their faith and say, you know what? I'm symbolizing that I've been washed clean, and that's what baptism is. There's nothing special in the water, but you, you really are buried to the old life, which also symbolizes the, the death and the burial of Christ. So you're buried to your old life, and then you rise again, and you come out of the water in the new life. And you can't really see it in that picture, but, but the, the shirts that we wear for baptism say new life. And that's the new life we have in Christ. And that's linked to this joy in the journey that we've been talking about. So I wanted to kind of lay this out there because this is really the big picture for which the Christian life operates. And I want to extend this invitation to all of you, no matter where you may be. So let's dig in today to 1 Peter. And we've talked about many aspects of the refreshing life in Christ, like I've discussed. And today, we're talking specifically about character, refreshing character, the way that we can live a different type of life. And hopefully, uh, over the course of the, the last few weeks, you've seen this picture of the Christian life. It's called you forward. There's things that you see like, okay, this is, this is who I am. This is my identity. I need to remember this. I need to hold this at the forefront of my mind because it, it leads, leads me forward. And so today, I want to start with kind of this big idea of how to become a, a difference maker in your world, uh, in the lives that God has uh, set you with. Uh, each of you, how many of you have a job? Most, most of you, right? Um, how many of you have coworkers? How many of you have a family? Neighbors, right? So every hand probably is up for one of those. Um, God has placed you in the lives of people. If you think about this life, like life is never really left alone. Like you're never isolated fully. And if you are, it's not a good life. You struggle. And so what God does with Christians is he places them in different areas of life to be a difference maker, to share hope, to share the light that penetrates the darkness. And he does that through what he does in you. It's not actually so much of what you say. Now, you do have to testify. Nobody can know the good news of Jesus without somebody sharing it. You can't intuit that. You don't understand that Jesus died for your sins unless someone tells you, correct? You can't just look out at nature and say, you know what? I think Jesus loves me. You don't know that. You know that there is a God, but you don't know how to reconnect to him unless somebody tells you. So oftentimes, it has to be shared. And every time, the gospel has to be shared, but it's always like really built on the foundation of a life. So that the mouth speaks, but the life is what supports it. And Peter knows this. Everything's talked about, this joy in the journey and being this refreshing uh, life in him 
always is linked to what God does in your life from the inside out. And so I want to dig in and start with kind of uh, 1 Peter 3, and we're going to go from verse 8 to verse 18. And the first way to become a difference maker that, that Peter talks about is, is choose to bless others. And so before I read the scripture, just think about that point in contrast to culture. Because what Peter is always doing is he's saying that this is the Christian life, and the Christian life is different than any other life. Like without Christ, your life is not the same. It shouldn't be the same. And so some of this should sometimes feel a little uncomfortable because we're in a world where this is not the norm. And so when you talk about this living a different life and being a difference maker while choosing to bless, we live in a time where that's not necessarily the most favorable. If someone comes after you, you go after them. Very rarely do you bless them if they don't bless you. But the Christian life, again, is, is a higher calling. We have an opportunity to bless and take initiative to bless. So it's even if somebody doesn't say anything to us, we take that initiative. And so let's read the scriptures, starting in verse eight. It says, finally, all of you. Now, finally is just talking about this section. Peter still has a lot more to say, but he's talking about Christ and what we talked about last week, the difference that he makes. And then he's saying, finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil, or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless. For to this you were called that you may obtain a blessing. Now, the finally is connected to the example of Christ, and he keeps pointing to what Christ did when he was persecuted, when he was condemned, when he was accused. What we talked about last week is he entrusted himself to the ones who judges justly, to God himself, the holy God who sees and helps. And then Peter's saying, listen, if you're a Christian, you follow in the example of Christ. That's what it means. And he gives these descriptions of, of this kind of life. And I just want to walk through it. And you'll see some highlights here on the next, the next slide. So unity of mind means that for God's people, uh, we should agree on the essentials of, of the Christian faith. We're, we're moving in the same direction. We, we don't get just so tied up on our, our differences, but we're linked towards what we hold to be similar. And the idea is we hold to the essentials, but we give each other grace on preferences. Now, without getting into the weeds, do you have strong preferences in your life? Are you like a strong preference person? I talked about some of those, like this is a little bit, maybe TMI, but toilet paper, remember, if you remember, I don't like the roll going under. It has to go over, which is the only correct way, remember? But, but some of you, like, you, you have preferences on like what kind of drink, like some of you can't stand like a Pepsi, but you love Coke, right? And all of these preferences, like we, we hold true to preferences. In, in fact, sometimes the preferences is what makes us so distinctive from somebody else. And we kind of like to be different. But in the church, the, the preferences we have, we have to continue to give grace. And the unity of mind is we are following the same God, the same Christ, the same Holy Spirit. And we believe that Jesus is who he said he was. He died for us. He rose again. We can't disagree on Christ. It's essential. But there's other things that we may see differently. And so Peter is saying is like part of the blessing that we have with others is we're, we're careful of our preferences and how strong they are. We don't impose them on others. Social media is a cesspool of letting everyone know your preferences and why they're right. Now, cesspool is kind of strong, but it feels like that at times, right? Like, here's my preference. Here's, well, here's your wrong. And, you know, it's just that's the world in which we live. 
Peter's saying, in the church, you, you can't have this. God's people, you, you can't have this. And then he says, sympathy. This is a great word. Sympathy is building on this, this essentials. Like, we're not going to let preferences divide us. But in fact, the sympathy is like, what you feel, I want to feel. The idea is like, if you're anguished and if you're burdened and if you're sorrowful, I want to get into your world so I can see what you see and I want to bear a little bit of the burdens that you have. That's like, that's love. Have you ever felt that for somebody? Like they're going through something and they share with you and you feel for them. It's like you feel it in your core. That actually is part of the gift God gives us in relationships. We don't have to be so careful to guard. Within God's people, we can actually be sympathetic. I'm with you. Then he talks about this brotherly love, which is this love and loyal love that we have to each other. And he says to be tender, Tender heart, that's a great word. It really means to be compassionate, um, gracious. I'm gonna give you the benefit of the doubt. Has somebody ever just had an interaction with you and it just kind of felt wrong and you just wonder like, what's wrong with them? What have I done? And it's just like this, this tense, like you don't quite know. Some of you are like, you're just a thinker, like that's never happened in my life. Other users are feelers and you're like, that's every day of my life, right? But, but we have different interactions. Well, the idea of, giving people the benefit of the doubt is like, I know you. I'm not going to jump to the worst conclusion about you because I know you. I know who you are. So think about that. The only way that you can really give people the benefit of the doubt is you do have to actually get to know them. So there's a value, what Peter's talking about here is on these relationships. And then he, he says, you know, to have a, a humble mind. And this is like not self-promoting, uh, not self focus, there's, there's modesty. The idea is like, I'm not just the first person to speak. I'm not focused on the story I need to tell. I want you to be able to speak, and I want to listen to the story you have to tell. This is this context of uh, blessing. And then he specifically is talking about that in the relationships that people may come against you. So this is in the extreme sense. You, get, you don't get pulled into the ways of the world when people criticize. There's everything in us that when they criticize, we want to criticize them. You ever notice that? It's like deflecting. But there's times where maybe God uses somebody, even in a way that you don't want them to, where they could give instruction that could be helpful. Maybe they didn't say it exactly right. Maybe it was harsh. Maybe a boss, a coworker said something and it's like, man, I wish they would have been a little bit more considerate, understanding of everything I had going on. But, but maybe God could use that to just give you a little bit of an insight. But if I'm so quick to bounce the criticism and put it back on somebody else, I don't, I don't learn and I damage the relationship. That's connected to that, that higher approach. Like I don't, to be above that reproach, like I'm not gonna go down to that, that standard. And so we, we choose to bless. And then the second I'm going to read this in a moment, is we have to measure what I say, what I do, and how I do it. That, that is, I, I have to give thought to my ways. We live in a time where we're really justified to do whatever we feel. In fact, your feelings are the greatest justification you have. As long as you feel it, and as long as it's genuine, and as long as it's deep within you, you can do it. Are there feelings, though, that we should not follow? Absolutely. Just because we feel it, it doesn't mean it's right. And feelings oftentimes are not measured, they're emotional. An emotion 
garners the most attention. We talked about that a lot with fear. Fear ramps up emotion. Emotion gets attention. So what do you do? You focus more on fear. That's what happens in our culture and in our, our world. But to measure, it takes time. It's, it's precise. It takes thought. So Peter's building this character. You need to be this tender-hearted, sympathetic person. You need to bless, even when people come against you. And then he describes giving thought to your ways. And this is in verse 10. Check out this scripture. It says, For whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. Verse 12, this is very important. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Peter is actually quoting a psalm, Psalm 34, verses 12 through 16. It's actually word for word, Psalm 34, verses 12 through 16. And so he's, he's telling God's people, remember, like our spiritual forefathers have told us, if you want to love your life and you want to extend your days for there to be purpose and blessing, and he gives a description, keep his tongue from evil, be careful of speaking deceit, turn from evil, do good, seek peace and pursue it. And then he says, you know, you're, you're really living your life before God. He's your audience. He's watching you. He's hearing you. He's saying, God's people, we have to remember as all those who follow God before us, we, we follow uh, in their, their steps. And so he's describing just specific things. So I, as I look at this list, it's, it's a challenge to me because there's times in my tongue, like with what I say, it's not helpful to people. It could be hurtful. And my thoughts about them could be wrong. There's times where I do want to lie. I have lied. I want to put myself above other people. I want to paint myself in the best light. Maybe I don't tell the exact truth. It's just part, partial truth. And then there's times where there's conflict, where it's like I'm ramping up the conflict instead of seeking the peace. And sometimes the peace for me just means like I don't have to get my, my point across. I don't have to do that. I want to do that. In fact, I want them to be justified in understanding that I'm right and them wrong. They're wrong, but that, that doesn't help. And so Peter's saying is like, these things work against like the, this, this flesh. And I was reading a devotion this past week, um, Morning and Evening by Spurgeon, C.H. Spurgeon. He was an English minister. And he had this line, he says, seek to be useful as well as consistent. And I thought like in the Christian life, sometimes we can be so focused on checking on the, off the boxes of like consistency. Well, if you're involved in group, like I go to group, I go to my community group and I, I come to church and I serve on my team, and I go to work, and I help my kids, and I do their homework, and I try to pay my bills, and it's like life is just all of these things in which we check off. What Peter's describing is, but are you being useful? Are you seeing the ways in which God has placed you so you can make a difference? These are things that are not planned. These are things that you didn't see coming. Oftentimes, these are responses where you have to make a choice. Am I going to do things my way or God's way? And if I do it my way and it's wrong, am I going to do it God's way and make it right and confess that? And so usefulness, I think, is, is really helpful for me. I was thinking about that. You know, God, I do want to be useful. 
I want to be used by you in different situations. And part of this series, what we've been doing is trying to kind of unpack some of the values that we have as a church as well. And we've talked about our mission. We've talked about our values and heart attitudes. And I want to unpack some more values that we have and just walk through these briefly, which is kind of in this spirit of living a good life that pleases God, a specific to project values and personal values. Like when I do a task, when I I'm operating my life. So much of it is not just what I'm doing, but how I'm doing it. And I want to repeat that. A lot of your life is not just what, it's how. Many people do many things, but a distinctive characteristic of a Christ follower is the way I do it should be different. And so here's some of the values that we have, like when we're approaching tasks and projects and service on Sunday, this is the backdrop of what we want to operate. These are the God's values. I want to operate in faith, Always, this is personally, you know, and and as a church, and you can see scriptures there. Faith, to me, is a statement that I have to keep coming back to. God will come through for me, and he will not rip me off. That's faith. He is who he says he is. He's going to help. And then humility, that's part of what Peter's been talking about. You know, I'm I'm not going to put myself first. I'm going to really try to be other-centered. Teachability. So humility and teachability go hand in hand. And so as we're working on something, we realize like we may not know the best. And so other people may have better ideas. We may do something and we mess up and that's okay. Very different than the workplace. If people mess up, it's like cover your tracks and really don't admit your mistakes. Because everyone's so nervous, fearful. Because if you break down your own righteousness, that's all you have. But as a Christ follower, we know we don't have confidence in our own righteousness. And so we don't have to build it up because we, we have God's help. And then patience. In all things, we, we have to be patient. I can endure, God will help. That means I'm not gonna bail out. I'm not gonna run. Um, it's connected to faith. The value of people. Um, we really promote time for people to build relationships here at church where there's time before, there's time after. That's why we do groups and get in each other's homes and we do events and we try to connect because people are so valuable. But the way you build into people is through time. There's no way around it. You can't just say, I love people and never spend time with them. And so the value of people is often translated through time through the building of relationships. Serving, uh, we have a high percentage of people who serve here, not just because we need things done as a church, but it's when you serve, again, you're walking in the footsteps of Christ. It's when you serve that your humility is actually practically lived out. And then excellence, um, trying to do things sharp. We don't get this perfectly, but as a church, like we want to do things in an excellent way, which is doing the best that we have with what we have, like with the resources that we're given. And there's always room for improvement. It's not perfection. And then buying up the opportunity. As God brings things our way, Our story as a church has always been God brings things our way at just the right time. And we have to stop and say, God, if you're in this, we want to step out in faith. And we want to buy this opportunity up because we believe you're leading us here. Launching two services, buying up the opportunity. Moving the Jesse Turner Center, buying up the opportunity. Doing long-term groups, buying up the opportunity. Meeting at a park during COVID, buying up the opportunity. I could go on and on. It's, It's part of these values. This is part of the usefulness, the character of Christ that he wants to build in us. And so 
If you've never seen these before, the reason I, I build these out, like, this isn't for you, again, just to have, like, a list to just try to get in your head again. Well, there's hard attitudes, there's seven of those, and then there's these, and it's, it, it can be overwhelming. But this should be part of the flavor of our church. And so if you're looking to move with us and, like, to grow with Ridgeview, just pick one of those values. Like, this is what I'd like to start building into my life. Choose one of those. That, that helps us. As you live more like that, that's being built in the church. Because these values are lived out in you and in me. Not something you post on a wall. They're not aspirational. They come from the inside out. Uh, I witnessed these values last night. We had to shift our men's event through some challenges, and we had to have some different people who stepped up. And we had a group of men come and take on the event and say, like, we'll do whatever's necessary to make this event happen. And we had different men cooking hot dogs with bacon. Nothing says a men's event like hot dog with bacon. Let's just add sodium to something that couldn't have more sodium, right? And it was awesome, <laughs> right? But we had men that just like, I, I, I'll cook, I'll do whatever's needed. Uh, we had men popping popcorn that have never popped popcorn before. We had men cleaning up and doing everything that's needed. And like, this is, this is it. Like, we're going to pitch in to make things happen. That's what the body of Christ does. And that, that helps you grow. You're part of something. You band together with others. And so people jumped in, and I just took a step back, and I said, God, thank you for placing these people. We couldn't do this by ourselves. If it was just me trying to pull off an event. It wouldn't work. But so these are the values that, that God grows in us, and it's part of what Peter is describing here. We're there for each other. And we're committed. We want to do things in a measured way, what I say, what I do, and how I do it. All right, I want to get to the next section here. And this is the third point. So we choose to bless. We measure what we say, what we do, and how. Very important, the how, how we do it. And then the, finally, we realize that I and you may not be accepted by this world, but I will be blessed by God. You cannot read First Peter without just getting again and again this theme of suffering. Our world doesn't like to talk about pain or suffering. It's really how to avoid it. But what Peter's describing is, if you're living the Christian life, the way for your growth and the way for your faith to really solidify is through the furnace of pain and suffering. This is what has always happened with God's people. In fact, I've never met people as joyful as Christians. And when I say joyful, what I mean is people who have this wholeness and this security in who they are and what God's called them to do in the middle of tremendous pain. Because it's at those moments in tremendous pain where, again, the righteousness of Christ, the help of the Holy Spirit, and the help from a loving Father where you see it. They do not have anything in themselves except the hope of Christ. And it's, it's so uh, powerful. And so the Christian life is one that you go through many valleys, many fires. But on the other end of it, you're a different person if you turn to God for help. If you pull in to God's people. If you walk with the Holy Spirit, if you read his word to guide you, he'll use that for your good. This is what Peter says. Check this out in verse 13. 
He says, now who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? So if, if you're doing this, if you're living how I've described in this life that God's calling you, like you're gonna live a good life. Most people won't come against you. But then he says, but, then you're like, uh-oh, wait, what? But there, there could. He says, but even if you should suffer for righteousness sake, that is for living the Christian life, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. Now, this really does describe a courageous person. Now, the opposite is the fear of man. Scripture talks about the fear of man being a snare. And the fear of man is just being so overly concerned with what people think of you, who you are, and it leads to many troubles. One of the biggest battles of my life has actually been the fear of man. From a young age, just really caring what people think. A pastor is a terrible job if you struggle with the fear of man. Because, you know, I look at all your faces and you guys are all thinking things, some of which I don't probably want to know, right? But for all of us, we can be so uh, people-focused. Like, and so the, the contrast is like the life that we live and how it impacts people. But before we know it, we can be so concerned with what others think of us. And that can be the measure of our identity. And that can be from our parents to our spouse to teachers to siblings, to coworkers, to bosses. Like, we can always put the measure of our worth in the hands of others. Peter's saying, you can't do that. You'll, your hope will be short-circuited. Your, your joy will, will not last. And so for me in my life, I just had to put to death some things. And some things for me was, you know, I can't live for the praises of man. I can't be overly concerned with what people think of me. Now, as a pastor, I need to live my life in a way that pleases God. I need to do right. I have to set the example. But I can't just focus on pleasing you or even just pleasing my wife or pleasing my kids because I know there'll be a day when my life wraps up. I'm gonna stand before God. And I'm gonna have to give an account for my life. And the only thing that matters on that day when I give an account for my life is how I pleased him and what I did for him and his name. And so when Peter says, have no fear of them, nor be troubled, he's really speaking to an epidemic of our times, and that's fear and anxiety. It's so easy to be fearful of what people think, and then it's really easy to be fearful of life so the fear of man is a snare, but there's also fear of the future. Have any of you been fearful of the future this past week? Like something just got you and you're just so concerned with the future. That usually happens on a weekly basis. How many of you have been just fearful of sickness, health, finances? Have you struggled with, I've got all this pressure. Can I handle this pressure on my own? Can I do this? Or is this too much for me? Or maybe just you've been pulling away from people, just taking a little bit step back. It seems easier. 
But all of these, as the anxiety and the stress and the fear ramps up in your life, as you do these things and as you face them, what Peter is saying is, listen, you pull into God and his ways, and he'll use these hard things to strengthen you. Even if you were to do good, I mean, wouldn't that be the worst thing? You're doing good, and you have to pay the price for doing good. That's like the most injustice we would experience. It says, you know, even if that were to happen, you honor the Lord Jesus. You honor him. And what's really interesting is it shifts because he's talking about this trouble and the blessing that will come even in the middle of trouble, even if people come against you. And then in verse 15, you honor him and then always be prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Isn't that very interesting? What he's talking about in the middle sometimes of the worst circumstances, when you feel so misunderstood and maybe taken advantage of, where things don't seem fair, there's an opening to the gospel. And the reason there's an opening is because people see what's happening in your life and they see the hope that you have. So think about that. Like, man, the response I have can open up the eyes of people to spiritual things. This person has a faith in God, and I don't know how they're dealing with what they're dealing with, but I want to know more about the hope that they have. What a tremendous opportunity we have as God's people. We live differently, and so when pressure comes, God uses that to draw people to himself. And even in this, yet do it with gentleness and respect. There's always these God-ordained opportunities that God brings. And sometimes it's in the middle of pain. It's not when we're at our best. It's sometimes when we're at our worst. But he uses that to really prepare people to want to hear. And the reason he says gentleness and respect is the last section. This is verse 16. It says this. You can go to that slide there. It says, having a good conscience so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. For Christ also suffered once for sins, uh, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. So how do we do this? How do we live this different type of character again? As we look to Christ. This is what he did. He set an example to us. And so no matter what you're facing, what Peter is saying is like, hold on, hold on to your faith. And God, the Father, Christ, the Son, and the Holy Spirit will continue to help you. In the middle of those hard things, in the middle of the fire, you never know what God will do. Where he can even use you in the lives of people to help others come to know him. So you go from the greatest sorrow to the greatest joy, and that is the Christian life. God uses the pain for our good. And the characteristics that he wants to build in us, they get more solidified. So this is my prayer for, for our church, that God will continue to build the character that he wants in us as a church. That he wants us to live personally and then you know, corporately as a group of people, like this is the flavor for what God is doing. And so I want to walk through some next steps here just to kind of get, get practical. Uh, I want to invite the band up. 
And the first next step is a little bit different. This is something I use, and I, I mentioned it before, but anytime you're, you're reading the scriptures, one of the things you want to think in terms of like your head, your heart, and your hands. So your head is how I you know, should think differently. So think of it in like perspective. Is there something in the scriptures that give me something to think about that I didn't think about before I got here today? Or maybe I forgot and I need to remember that truth. That's the head. And then the heart, how should I feel differently? Is there someone in your life or something that's going on where, you know what, I really do need to be sympathetic towards that person. There's, this, there's a feeling there. That's the heart. And then hands, how should I act differently? That's a way to kind of think in terms of your life, like my thinking, my feeling, and my doing, like the action. And so think about that for yourself. Peter's laid out a lot in these scriptures, verses 8 through 18, these 10 scriptures. There's, there's a lot to, to unpack. And so think about that for yourself. What are some things? And right now, uh, write those down. Write those on your, your listening guide. That's why I have a listening guide for you. Take some thoughts. Is there anything that stood out from the scriptures today? And then I mentioned this, but... Uh, the next one is I want to follow Jesus uh, for the first time. Uh, let us know on the church center or on your connection card. Uh, on your connection card, you can just write new Christian on church center. If you do your connection card digitally, there's a place where you can let us know. I, I'm making a decision to accept Jesus for the first time. And then if you want to be baptized, uh, that's the next, next step. Going public in your faith. If you've never done that since you become a Christian, make that your next step. Obey Jesus in, in taking that. And then finally, I'll pray for an opportunity to, to bless someone this week. Just pray for an opportunity. From the prayers for an opportunity, God usually brings one. And as we're praying, we're actually prepared to, to see it. So just start with a, with a prayer and see what, see what God does. Let me pray for us. God, we thank you for your word, which is instructive and helpful. God, we are reminded that you have given us an identity that's above one that we could create or come up with ourselves. We are made in the image of you, the living God. And we do want to live life your way on your terms. And we thank you for the work that you're doing in our hearts to chisel just some of the, the characteristics of us that you want to change. And I just pray you'll put just a finger on anything in our life, just an attitude or an action or a word that we need to shift. If there's anything that, that we need to confess to you that you'll make it clear. If there's a relationship that's broken that we need to make right, uh, show us, Lord. We, we want to do things in a way that is pleasing to you. And I pray for all of those here that are just undergoing hardship and pain and just trouble. Lord, will you use that to draw them to yourself? build their faith. And God, we pray that you'll use it also to strengthen the fellowship here in our church as we bear our burdens with each other and as we look out for each other. So God, we thank you for your presence here, for this privilege that we have as God's people to come together. And if there's anyone that's not yet decided to follow Christ, I pray that you'll call them to yourself, you'll soften their hearts, convict of sin. In the name of Jesus, they'll decide to follow you today. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.